Hello and welcome to Season 2 of Creative Corporates, where we are sharing conversations with our community members who are carving out their own paths. Today, we are talking about the importance of staying adaptive in an ever-changing industry and leveraging your learnings to build your own personal brand. Joining us for the discussion today is Felix Shannon, an audio producer and unprofessional mystery solver. And in his spare time, also our resident editor here at Creative Corporate. My spare time, goodness. How generous of me. Look, it was so funny the way that Felix and I met happened to be virtually by sheer chance where you were working at TUSA on the podcast, mm-hmm. Get Gig Ready. The, the corporate overlords are going to have to correct you. It's two S-E-R, pronounced one letter at a time. I'm glad you've done that. <laughs> Thank you. Two S-E-R. We've, we're getting there. And pretty much that then spun off into us meeting once in the studio mm. and then continuing our relationship onwards and upwards to then everything social media management oriented. And now, like I said, you're now, you know, editor-in-chief at Creative Corporates, um, along with many other things. So, you know, really excited and, and love having you on board. Well, thank you. I'm I'm glad to be on the side, even if every mention of the Myers-Briggs test does make me tense up inside. <laughs> well, aside from that, <sighs> I... <laughs> aside from that though a little bit about you Felix which is what really inspired us to get you on the podcast Mm. is obviously your background in media having been the highest achiever in advanced audio and sound design thank you and obviously that then branching out into you know your first job as a graduate which is incredible at I think it was the Australian Radio Network that's the one and then jumping onto what I now know as 2SER audio and being able to run in short their podcasts and then going freelance to to run your own podcast which death of the reader yeah death of the reader is uh is with 2ser but it's on a it's on a volunteer basis a lot of the shows over at 2ser as a community radio station are volunteer driven and that was our uh our our little fledgling show about crime and mystery fiction the uh the second of two shows about books on the station. And that's awesome because I can see really how you started out with that practical experience, but then worked on identifying, I guess, what your interests and passions are, you know, outside of work and being able to combine them together. So I think that's really what takes us to, you know, first ask, well, how did you identify that you had a passion for media? And, you know, how have you been able to springboard, you know, that experience that you had at ARN to then carve out your own career um, with with podcasting and, and audio producing? So, I mean, I suppose to answer the question, where did I discover my passion for media? We'd have to go visit six-year-old Felix at seven o'clock in the morning before school every single day of the week, making comics for a uh, Lego fan community on the internet. Sadly, all of those comics are now lost after the hosting site disappeared. I'm sure they're somewhere upstairs in a hard drive, but I have more or less been a, a one-track soul since then. And it was a it was a really interesting experience going through like that romanticized sharing fun stuff on the internet for most of uh most of primary and high school through to then towards the tail end of high school realizing like, oh right, a media career we're talking about here and having to learn about what that meant, what the ups and downs of it were 
I remember one of my friends uh, was saying to me, like, why are you going into media? It's like this thing that everyone just gets dragged into because you think you get to do fun stuff all day, but they actually bully you into oblivion. And you know what? They were right. But because I knew that, it meant that I could go in prepared for that eventuality. And that was uh, a journey to go on, but uh, has been well worth it after like putting in the time and research to understand what the difference between being a creative and being a media employee would be. Yeah. And I imagine though, you also convey to a lot of people, not just like the, the spiel or the, the rose-colored glass version of what it means to enter that profession. Actually, that grittiness is really important to help people manage their expectations and say, is this really what I want to do? And also from getting that advice, then the people who continue to do that are the ones who really want it and are able to go in eyes wide open and say, well, how do I navigate this in a way that's going to still give me what I want? And so what would you say some of the skills that you learned you know, whether it be on the job, whether it be prior to your first job, have allowed you to have, you know, a really sustainable creative career. You know, we obviously notice on our end, you know, that you're great with your deadlines. You're great with getting SHIT done. <laughs> um, and, and many other things being able to give advice around, you know, brand and content, in, you know, just engagement, etc. So I'd do wonder, you know, how is it that you learnt those skills so quickly? Yeah, there's there's two main things that I'd, I'd throw in there. One is just speeding up the things that you already do. Um, I could definitely spend an entire day editing a half hour show if I really tried. In fact, I could probably do it easier than I can do it quickly. But learning all sorts of tiny tips and tricks to just cut down every second you can of the work you have to do. There is definitely quality that gets lost in the crossfire, but it's trying to lose as little quality as you can and cut down as much time as you can. Uh, And that's just something that you have to learn the programs that you are working in absolutely top to bottom, every keyboard shortcut. And that's just one of the small things. And the other thing uh, is, is just managing your expectations of how fast and how many things you can do at once. Because undoubtedly, as in any career, you'll be thrown a thousand projects at once. And it, it is simply a matter of trying to figure out what can be fit into a day. And I think that the simplest advice as a freelancer is when you're getting started, log every hour you do of everything you do so that when someone says like, hey, uh, how long is it going to take you to do this? You either know off the top of your head or can go, allow me a moment to check my spreadsheet, if you will. Um, And that's just not something that I think a lot of people expect getting into media. But once anyone's heard it, they go, oh, yeah, I should have. Hey, right. Yeah, that's awesome. And so how do you find, I mean, your trajectory as in media really unfolds? I mean, obviously, you start out as a creative and, you know, you're working towards getting the next big thing out there. How is that sustainable long-term? Are there particular skills that you're developing to allow for that career to flourish in that, you know, you're diversifying your skill set? Tell us more about that. Yeah, I think the main thing for me is that I have projects on the side that are always doing something. Uh, Sustainable is maybe not the word that everyone would choose for them because, you know, lunch money once every four months perhaps isn't. Uh, everyone's idea of sustainable. But for me, 
it absolutely is. I would rather be doing something productive uh, <laughs> to try use an illustrious word and keep myself moving and keep momentum so that when the gears need to start turning again, they're already in motion. I don't want to go from a dig um, as, as the car crowd would put it. Yeah. So you talk about this concept of having, you know, a show reel and a portfolio ready in place so that when an opportunity does arise, you can jump on it straight away. Would you say the flip side of that is also sharing the content, you know, publicly so that you're at the front of mind of other people as well as a creative? I think the professional in me would say yes. Uh, I'd say a lot of my colleagues and uh, peers, especially that I went to university with, are very good at posting everything they do uh, on social media. I choose not to just because I find that being front of mind by making direct personal connections, whilst perhaps less profitable, is a lot better for my mental health. And that is a sacrifice I am willing to make and uh, definitely learnt that a bit of the hard way. But I'm I'm more than happy to, you know, take the extra time to get to know people by, you know, having a direct chat with them rather than just posting everything on my Facebook that I do because it, it, it can be exhausting. And that's a, a balance going back to, you know, how long things take for you that you have to strike. Yeah. Well, it's great that you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of how also important it is to switch off as a creative. Mm. So particularly when you're constantly creating content, but also then relying on seeing other people's content, at some point you do need a break so that you're not consumed by everything it is. And so you've got also space um, to have new thoughts and new ideas rather than just pulling on content that currently exists. So what are some ways that you've really been able to have that white space to create new content? And obviously that's what you've done with Death of the Reader along with a lot of other things. So how is it that you're doing that? Yeah, I'm, Death of the Reader is an interesting example because obviously we're discussing other people's books, so we do still like draw on other people's content in a way. But the challenge there is not to just open everyone else's reviews of the book and go like, oh, yes, that's an interesting point that I should raise now as well, right? To actually read it, take it in for yourself. One of the things that's interesting for me, despite being a media professional, is I have terrible memory for media. I've read three books over the past three days, and I've almost completely forgotten the first one. And that's not because I've read three uh, once, one after another. Uh, it's just because that's that's the way my brain soaks up. And in general, the way that I come up with story ideas is notes on everything. So I've switched almost entirely to e-reading my books because I couldn't bring myself to deface physical books as much as I would need to to make notes for shows. And it's much easier to like search my notes in a book. And that's the same with anything, you know, when I'm coming up with content for Get Gig Ready, when I'm coming up with content for Drive, which is one of my other main shows at 2SER. One of the things that I, I teach to a lot of volunteers is to try and find a balance between having, you know, notes on stories, I, stories and ideas, but not like overthinking it, because it's just the thing that as a story driven creative, you have to, in your life, observe things and go, that could be something that I tell a story about, whether that's writing a song about it, whether that's making a news bulletin about it, whether it's making a meme, it, it's all kind of that same muscle of seeing something, writing it down, setting it aside and not thinking about it until uh, it's time to actually put that story together because otherwise you just won't think about anything but the story and will lose the moment that the story was about. I like what you're doing there. You're letting it marinate. 
which mm. is awesome. And especially as a creative where you kind of, you're constantly wanting to cultivate ideas, making sure that you're staying in that space and flow yeah. where you, you're able to piece together content as well because ultimately then it's not as though you're going to get that golden experience and all the ideas are going to come. It's something, it's a muscle that you constantly have to work out. Mm-mm. Take that example where you're starting, I guess, something new and then you're building on that. I think we spoke earlier about this concept that you feel that being in the media industry is very analogous to someone that's an athlete in that you're constantly doing all the back work for, what, 20 years and then you're there for 30 seconds at the Olympics and bam, you've hit the nail on the head and everyone goes, oh, that was an overnight success. But no one's seeing the 20 years of legwork that yeah. you put in. And then, of course, there's the 20 years after you've gotten too old to do your sport, for example. One of the weird experiences for me was several experiences, really, was getting into an Uber um, on the way to several places on several different occasions and talking with multiple people who had flunked out of media to become air conditioning repair people. I don't know why that is like a zeitgeist that I stumbled ap- across. But it was it was really interesting because they all had that same experience of being like, I was working on this show. It was going really well. The show ended. I didn't have anywhere to go. Uh, and I, I think that's a real challenge that every media professional will tackle a different way, whether that's becoming an air condition repairman, which all power to you, or whether that is, you know, diversifying, finding sponsors and doing new creative projects. That's That's a journey that everyone has to take on their own, but you have to find the time and perspective to put those blocks in place before you find yourself at the edge of a cliff looking down at air conditioning repair and going, oh, goodness. Yeah. And so in terms, it's such good advice. And I think that applies so much in any kind of freelance work. I I Mm. see this a lot in corporate as well, being project-based. What's that next phase? What I haven't, I spent so much time concentrating on delivery that I haven't really had the time to to think ahead. And then you get to that stage and it's like the oh shit moment. Mm -hmm. And now you've kind of got to start again from not scratch, it's still experience. So I guess then it's that I can imagine how are you building that, those those sustainable things underneath to make sure that you're not, not falling short. When there are those those breaks in between. Yeah, I mean, it's always that balance between having diverse of enough of a portfolio that you can take any opportunities that strikes and having a tight enough portfolio that you are good enough at the opportunities that do come. So, like, for example, I've definitely focused a lot more on directly audio than uh, some other people that I've studied with over the years who have put a lot more stock into business and personal branding and social media activity. Um, but again, going back to what I was saying about social media activity before, that's definitely a choice that I'm I'm happy I've made because I enjoy getting to sit down and just soak a piece of audio in. Um, I have hours and hours of just like sounds that I've made uh, for no reason other than, you know, practicing skills. And even though those will very rarely see the light of day, you know, I could maybe throw them up online so that people uh, can use them in their own projects. And maybe that's another way to network in future. Hashtag watch this space. Um, <laughs> like uh, having that broad portfolio definitely means that at the very least, and this is something you guys have spoken about on the podcast before, if someone comes into my room and says, Felix, hey, we're uh, running a social media campaign, you're doing audio for it. 
I don't give them an audio file that's incompatible with the social media platform they use that's too long, that's like way too loud or anything. They get what they need because I know the people that are going to be working adjacent to me and what they will need as well. Yeah. So then how do you run art or a creative work as a business? This this is definitely something that I can't answer as directly because it's not something that I have done as much as studied, but I still feel confident in the lessons that I've learned over the course of doing things like Get Gig Ready to say that diversifying is hands down the most like effective way. I think Finn McKenty, who's a wonderful uh, business-oriented producer who's done a lot for the heavy, hard rock and heavy metal scene over in the United States and getting them on hand with diversifying uh what their portfolio is, be that, you know, getting signature equipment, getting in touch with venues, doing digital live shows before the pandemic hit. So they were like just ready to go when all that stuff happened. And, you know, finding experts in your area who can be your Finn McKenty, because, you know, for me, I make a couple of scrappy shows about music careers and books. And at the moment, I have a large plan for what that diversification is going to be. And it's about implementing that and putting it forwards. For example, coming up, uh, I will be speaking at the Terra Australis Readers and Writers Festival in Tasmania, hopefully in person, but more likely over the internet. Um, (laughs) And, you know, that kind of thing is a stepping stone, you know, getting in touch with people like Craig Sisterton, who are absolute experts in their field who have these connections and can say, well, like, hey, run a book show, festival's the obvious next step. So for me, that was one step after the other, but there are definitely more steps to, to take and keeping yourself open to those steps is something that I definitely have to do and you definitely should as well. Yeah, well, it's incredible to see your journey having started out your podcast, you know, like you've mentioned on YouTube and that now evolving, what, three years later to you scoring incredible gigs and being well-esteemed in that particular field. And so obviously there's, as you can see, a bit of a shift as well in media from, you know, the radio scene into podcasting Mm. in that a lot of people are finding that that is a really practical way um, and a popular way, might I add, to get started whilst we're in the middle of lockdown yeah, and um, to just engage with your audience. So what are other ways you're seeing the landscape change now and what are the skills that you think are really crucial in having and starting up a career in media? I think one of the interesting things is that there is a large divide in the middle of media in terms of duration where there's one side of media who make incredibly short, snappy content that anyone can pick up and scroll down on TikTok. And there's one side of media who are making documentary series that cover the the downfall of every political institution that has ever crossed the face of this earth. And there is an audience for both, but that middle group of like, you know, half hour to an hour television programming is kind of drifting away a little bit. And the way I like to think about it is like uh, like newspapers. For example, you know, when television and radio came along, people thought newspapers were going to die, but they're still here. Radio will still be here when podcasting has more or less completely taken over the market share that radio once had. And in the same way that a lot of journalists these days who end up on television 
with enormous gigs get their start in newspapers. Uh, a lot of people who start with what will be a smaller industry in radio will still progress onto podcasting, even if that just completely takes over. And that's a skill set that's worth having and is extraordinarily transferable. I cannot think of two mediums or two media rather uh, in the history of entertainment that have been quite as overlapping as radio and podcasting. There are a lot of radio shows in Australia from the very top of the industry to the very bottom that are just a copy of an on-air radio show, myself included. And uh, it's a really good way to train those skills and not only see how radio thought can improve podcasting, but how podcasting could improve radio planning. Because, you know, in the same way that you guys often discuss having those skills that are transferable between roles, it's exactly the same in transferring between one, you know, one medium to the next in the arts. Yeah. Well, I look, you touched on a lot of really high level things. And I think the ones that I've taken out of is number one, that as a creative, you absolutely need to get some hands-on practical experience and exposure mm. to work out what you do like and what you don't like. Then being able to take and focus on what your interests and passions are to then tee the two together mm. to then make something sustainable that really you're passionate about, you know, around the clock, even obviously though being able to switch off in between that. And then finally creating that portfolio and showreel so that when the time is right, you've got everything in place to then be able to jump on board at whatever opportunity arises. And so that really comes down to being consistent in what you do, being able to manage your time really well and do things as quickly as possible to then be able to move on to the next thing without overthinking. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I think there's also... There's a lot of opportunity to be had in finding better ways to make that portfolio. For me, it's volunteering at 2SER. Death of the Reader is a show that I use largely in an, as an opportunity to network and find out cool new things and tell stories with my friends, and it helps build a portfolio, but it is not something that I treat seriously as a business yet, but that's okay because it's still something I can use to make something for myself, portfolios, uh, a fun time, uh, a network. And that's definitely, you know, touching on what you were saying there about having that portfolio, finding those opportunities. I make, I am making a show and making a mess of it in a good way in public, uh, because I think that's a fun and interesting way to put that together. Yeah, awesome. So for people who want to tune into your podcast, where can we find you? Death of the Reader is Sunday nights at 9pm on 2SER, Thursdays 7.30 uh, for the replay show or on any of your favourite podcasting apps. And if you are lost, 2SER.com has it up on the schedule. And then Get Gig Ready if you're interested in music careers and everything that goes into it is in the same locations, uh, except it's 5pm on a Tuesday afternoon, at least for the foreseeable future, uh, on 2SER and podcasted as Get Gig Ready. Surprisingly, not under the same title as Death of the Reader, though that may come as a shock. Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for running through those details and, and getting our listeners a bit of a taste of where you can go in media being such a broad space and how it is that you can approach that in those early stages. And thank you for those who've listened. We hope that this helps you understand the importance of becoming adaptive, 
Tune in for the rest of season two where we continue to share our conversations for those who are leveraging their experience to carve out their own path. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.